Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in the sunny, for now, Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz. California. Yes, we yes. had about three blustery. raindrops. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I felt it. I did. I did, too. It was blustery today. Wind was blowing. There's debris on the road. Yeah. That's how we hear. Hey, let's talk about who is here in the garage. This is Liza. What up, my wigwax? And next to me, I have got Jim E. Hello. Then I got Michael. Howdy. Isaac. Got and my Bella. <laughs> no. On the pretty girl couch tonight, we got Bagel. Hello there. Sexy thing. And we got Brooke. Let's get toothsome. <laughs> Did you prepare him for that? <laughs> then we got Naked Jam. Uh, hey, Sheila from Texas. I got four out of eight on the fairing quiz. Uh, the only one I knew I got right was four. the... Uh, I thought it was ten. I got eight out of ten. I missed two. Yeah, anyway. And then we got Charlie. Yo, what's up? And our latest writer, legal writer, is Micah. Hi. Who got her permit. Yay! That was the most lackluster yeah ever. (laughs) Should have heard Charlie when I called him and told him that I got my permit. He was like, oh, cool. When did you do that? I was like five hours into an engine rebuild. (laughs) (laughs) How'd how'd that engine rebuild go, Charlie? Uh, It doesn't shift. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You won't need that. Oh, so you built a zero. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Just leave it in third. (laughs) <laughs> well, it shifted before I put the cases back together, and it shifted before I put the clutch in, and then when I put the engine into the bike, it doesn't shift. Just just call it a fixie motorcycle and sell it to a hipster. No, go. dude, it's, <laughs> it's getting there. Randwin Comes Park. with brown seat. <laughs> um, so, Micah, you guys went for a ride. Was this your first, like solo ride out on the street today yeah yes. it was cool. How, how'd you do i dropped the bike <laughs> but it was okay i dropped it at a stop That's and right. i had other people help me pick it up because i need to work out more um <laughs> but it was it was fun it was good uh the when, after we stopped at the end of west cliff and got off and like got back on again heading home um to drop my bike off that was a lot better and I can actually like pull away from a stop sign and not stall now, which is very exciting. I mean, it's, it's also learning the, the clutch and everything on a new bike. I, I heard something about some wheelies. There's a yeah, there's some really cool Harleys that showed up. <laughs> One of them did like this sweet burnout. <laughs> so sweet. I heard Micah was popping some wheelies. Yeah. Well, Micah, because I'm always trying to um, learn from other people's mistakes. You said you fell over. How exactly did that happen? Um, I put my left foot down, and then I felt the bike going right, so I tried to put my right foot down, and I missed the ground, and it fell. And I was like, fuck, 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 it's down. So you discovered that one leg is shorter than the other? (laughs) (laughs) That I'm especially talented at falling. Or was was there a pothole there? 
No, I just kind of missed it. I went for it, and it went. How do you miss the ground? <laughs> I'm not sure. It happened. We don't have to talk about it. <laughs> so what I, think, what, what I think is hilarious is that we've all totally done it, but we're totally yeah. going to Yes, we've all done it. I don't know about you, Michael, but I have extremely long legs, and I have not done that. I, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I haven't, insane, I haven't so. missed the ground. I've, I dropped my bike in my front yard twice the first day I had it, but... Yeah, but you bought like an 800 pound bike. 700. <laughs> well, Michael, but, get that inner ear problem worked out, and hopefully uh, it'll okay. Welcome to the club. Well done. She I, kicked I, ass. She I, was fantastic. I have, I have to say, I, I have almost done that before, and I and honestly, there, there are places where the road crowns really steeply, yeah. no, and yeah, you put your left foot down, and then you go to put your right foot down, and all of a sudden <laughs> it's like six inches lower, and you're like, whoa! And then luckily I've caught it, but it doesn't always happen. We I can suppose. say that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You plus, can make that decision. Plus you're on a sure. scooter. That's, so. that's my call. See, she sure. And, uh, well, at least she, it's nothing like what Kat went through, so. It was on Westcliff. The most dangerous <laughs> road we have here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right. And uh, just a quick cat update. She was here at the garage today. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, cat. Popping wheelies. I but, know. She was not pleased when I threw a helmet on her head and said, whenever you're on wheels, you got to wear a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> When I saw her in the wheelchair, I said, oh, we need two of these things. <laughs> wheelchair races? Oh, yeah. Oh, now, finally, we can do the proper dildo jousting. Uh, wheelchair version. Yes. yes. Excellent. I like it. I feel I that know. it should be noted that we are a solid two for two on casualties for rides on Westcliff yeah. in two weeks. <laughs> We're at a 100% rate. Casualties? <laughs> that's true. Casu- who's the other casualty? Who's the, other one? The, the bike was the casualty. Oh. That's well, that's two bikes dropped on the ground yeah, at low speed. Yeah. Um, oh, mine was oh, I no see what you're speed. saying. Mine was literally no speed. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Yeah, low speed. Well, and Mike, I didn't win a sit, so you might have done the right thing, but um, the thing to remember is let it go. She did. Do not try and stop it. That's when people actually get injured. And I'm looking at what they, she's they wearing. They get underneath right? it or they wrench their back, so just let yeah. it go. Exactly. And I'm looking well, at what there, she's there's, wearing. There's a point where you can still catch it, and then there's a point where it's, it's not if the ground isn't there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You know, it'd yeah. be nice if the ground still wasn't there when the bike went down. Then we just go back and like do like a 360 <laughs> and stand right up. You know, missing the ground is going to be the next left and right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This is just a long, the first in a long series of stories you will accumulate. Like my last one was, I dropped my Ducati on a garden hose I left out. <laughs> 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 that was the second time I dropped my bike, and I've only ridden it once. So, so a few of us went dirt biking yesterday, Burp, and yep. Jim oh, and I included, and that was fun. Though I did come to the conclusion I'm getting old. You just ride too hard. Yeah. You were charging, Liza. That's all it was. I was not you were charging. charging. I could, was barely keeping up with you. Just get better suspension. <laughs> how, how are you getting old? How am I getting old? Yes. I keep having birthdays. Right, well, that's how that. Yes, there's that. But how how did you notice you're getting old? Um, in this case, it's my shoulders were getting wrenched. It's like mm. parts of your body that used to be okay are suddenly not okay. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. Um, no, it was it was kind of dry and sandy, but it was okay. I mean, I had a good time. I had a lot of fun. Both um, Jim and I on like the first little ride we did, both realized that. 
our front wheels we were using too much front brake and our front yeah. first turn our front wheels just started sliding i'm turning but i'm sliding straight <laughs> <laughs> and, and i went back and had to talk with antonio and and adjusted my brake because my rear brake wasn't adjusted right so i wasn't able to use it uh, right well then the other advice is why are you using your front brake period at all, at all. Yeah. But because it's know, so easy it's, it's right so convenient there. <laughs> well and i also realized that you know, we ride so much street that it, and it's so freaking uh-huh. convenient so it's well, like there's, there's it's times. like any, it's anytime you go from riding street to dirt i always have to go through my checklist of okay mm. this is how you turn completely differently so it takes a little bit of getting used to but yeah well you can still use a front brake in the dirt it just it's a lot lighter but when it's dry like that it becomes a lot yeah. more it sketchy. went from like that yeah. real hard packed almost glazed clay to just like real sandy stuff but it was fun i like the sandy stuff because you could get on the throttle and whip it around and it was when the vintage track had a bunch you of loose probably just take the brake lever off in the sand yeah right <laughs> well, you know, that's what antonio said they were like or one of those guys was like just take your, take his take front, front brake off and i'm all fuck you no i want to put i want to put another rear brake next to the front brake. oh that was right i want to link and have another one a hand a hand rear brake that would be pretty brake. sweet that'd be pretty cool but i thought the riding was fun we had a good time although the helicopter did show up for somebody no yeah. um someone try the twin peaks but it was also the first day of uh, Red Sticker. So all the Red Sticker bikes were out there October yeah. 1st. Jim and I tackled this um, long road called Lake Road that goes all the way up the mountain. I've been really there. pretty. And it's pretty cool. um, there was a lot of a lot of bumps on that. So my arms were really, and my shoulders were really kind of taking a lot of hits. And, uh, you know, it's one of those where you, like, commit to doing this long road. And then you're like, I just want this to be over. Thank right. you. Oh, we're finally, we're almost back. My shoulder's hurting. And went and rested for a while. And then a little while later, I said, okay, I think I got one more run in me. Um, and I turned to Matt and Cindy and said, you guys want to go out on a run? They said, you know, you don't want to go out with us. We're taking it really easy. And we're riding really slow. Mm-hmm. I said, no, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to take it easy and go slow. I'm let's go ride. I'm good. And Cindy said, "Okay, I found this really cool road. Let's go do it." Took me right back on the road Jim and I had done earlier. <laughs> that had hammered my shoulder, and I'm like, "Oh, no. oh not again!" Yeah. I was kind of glad though, because you actually had that opportunity to uh, run me over, and you chose not to. <laughs> so, Mike, if it makes you feel any better, I had a one mile an hour fall over yesterday too. We we came around this real tight kind of a U-turn, you know, uh, switchback kind of a turn. And as soon as you come around, you kind of come outside, and it was one of those ruts that. It's a steep uphill switchback. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, so when you come around, there's a rut that, you know, you're kind of like, oh, look, there's a rut. No big deal. And then you kind of look up and you're like, oh, the rut becomes like, you know, two feet deep. And, a ravine. Yeah. And it's all sandy. And I'm already locked Hard or it. sand, one or the other. And I just didn't get on the throttle like I should have. So I lay it over. And, yeah, all I'm thinking about is Liza's going to run my ass over. So I hop. But the one good thing is we got to do that same trail again. So when I came around, I did the same thing, went into the rut. But that time I got on the throttle. and I managed to stop. Right as I'm facing straight uphill, I was this uphill switchback, which sometimes you don't want to lose your momentum because even when you just grab the brake, suddenly yeah. you start to slide well, back down the hill. And it was sandy, hill, too. Because yeah, I mean. it's very dry. So I managed. I stuck my feet out, grabbed brake, and it stopped. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm still. I'm good. Then it's a whole other thing to start going because sometimes your rear wheel starts to slide out. So Jim, meanwhile, stuck in the rut in front of me, and he's trying to kickstart it, and I'm just holding it, holding it. And I'm finally like, perhaps you could push yourself up 
over to the side. <laughs> no, I, I <laughs> was I'm, doing that anyway. But yeah. But I'm like stuck, like just holding on to the hillside. Like, oh, I will perhaps say, you could get out. I'm of still the trying way. to get beyond how naked Jim is not stuck in a rut. <laughs> but it was good. Um, yeah, it was fun to had a good time. But your shoulder was beat up, and that sucks. So mm-hmm. it's all right. But it was a good day. We had fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you guys find that picnic area up there? There's a lot of picnic areas. Well, there's like a really nice picnic area where the lake is. Where the lake is, yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. And there's like a lot of little like playground stuff there mm-hmm. to play around in, yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was good. And then, um, let's see, today, there was some shit getting done. Um, we had a new kid uh, show up, Cody. Cody, who yeah. Wanted to change the tires on his KLR. 98 KLR 650. How and much he, does and that he thing said, weigh? "You guys, you guys change tires here, right?" <laughs> I said, "No, we don't do that anymore." You can change tires here, though. You're if welcome you want to. to. Here's some spoons, but we don't do that. Anymore. I can't believe no one stopped him to show him where like the Windex was. I wasn't watching that part. He did hey, the like, entire oh, front tire without Windex or oh, anything like the that. The front yeah. tire went on. Front's easy. Just yeah. fine. And then he ripped the bead or whatever. And I that. was, you know, saying, well, hey, you uh, should, like, step on it with your foot with that or slide that spoon over another six inches. You can go a little... I mean, I talked him through it. Um, the front one went on fine. Yeah. I wasn't watching him for the rear one, but apparently... Uh, yeah, apparently the, the tire's a little bit old, and when he was trying to force it on, it actually split the bead of the tire. Yeah. It's but these were used tires sign. he was putting on. They were actually it's, like uh, six years old, so it's yeah, probably, probably, it's probably a good thing <laughs> yeah. to throw the bead. <laughs> but putting he, on six-year-old tires? Yeah. Um, the bike came with dirt tires and dual sport tires, and he was uh, taking the dirt off and trying to put the dual sports on. Uh, mm. So he just had to put the dirt one back on, but it was just fun. It was like... Like three or four of us just sitting there and pointing and directing and <laughs> watching work. Well, I rolled up from the JFR and I like look look at this guy doing this thing without Windex or anything. I'm like, man, that's fucked up. <laughs> and, <laughs> but then you didn't say anything and you're just like, no, I went. I sh- I grabbed the bottle of Windex and I brought it over and I'm like, dude, spray that shit. Ah, uh, okay, good. Nice. And he sprayed it and it was much easier. Yeah, yeah, uh, cool. Bit. But he had already ripped the bead. Mm. Oh Bummer. man. So you know what else I did today? I did some more organization in the toolbox. Uh oh. The toolbox is looking good. I was checking it out when I was putting some stuff away. Very organized. So, because we have so many different people using tools here, I have quite a few of the same thing. And I used to keep all the wrenches on the the racks, you know. and then I, all the sockets were on the little socket holders. Nobody would ever put them back in order. Mm. Nobody, they'd mix American and metric. It was driving me nuts. <clears throat> and then it got to a point where people weren't putting anything back on the racks and just throwing them in the drawer. And it was just a heap of tools. And it's been driving me nuts. And I finally, d- I got smarter. And then we got all those sockets, remember? That guy mm-hmm. said all those sockets. Mm-hmm. So I finally got smarter. So in the socket drawer, I just put little uh, white uh, divider boxes that are about three inch, about four inches by three inches, and labeled them. And now people can just throw all the tens in one box, and all the twelves in one box, and all the fourteens. I don't care how many points it is, or uh, they're just all in there. As long as you can find it. And then um, I was trying to figure out how to organize the wrenches, and I sent John Dalton up to the thrift store to go buy some silverware trays. Oh. Which worked out really good, because they actually fit, they're low enough mm-hmm. to fit into the drawer. Cool. And that yeah. way we can just throw all the 12s in again, all the 10s in. I was putting wrenches in, and it was actually really easy, except you have no 11. 
No, there is something marked 11. It's just not between 10 and 12. Um, 11 is a rare bird, so it's in a, a, a heap pile. Yeah, well, right now it's in your 10, so. Well, get it out of there. It should be with the... Uh, heap. 6, 7, 8, 9, 11. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so people looking to organize, if you have a lot of the same tools or mismatched sets, the silverware, silverware tray worked out pretty well. Um and then uh, let's see oh my super duke's been overheating so i finally dug in and just dis- started dismantling shit oh yeah it was low on coolant mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was interesting the uh we thought it could have been the fan too though right fan started working once i put coolant in i'm not sure but i started looking um how to flush and fill the coolant and there's this whole thing about raising the front wheel up like 50 yes, centimeters right. and this whole thing i'm like so yeah. yeah so they can burp the system burp the baby yeah so i'm like oh, I think amazing I'm how that fan turns on once the coolant actually contacts the switch that's what it yeah. is okay because <laughs> well. yeah. there was obviously a connection we couldn't like figure so that's it so why why was it low on coolant in the first place do you i don't know mm-hmm. uh last week i did a long ride through the hills had no overheating problems but then on the next day when adrian took it just um, West Cliff, which is five, six blocks from here, it overheated. So I blame wow. Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm good with that. Thanks, Obama. We can do that. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> Obama. My super duke overheated. It's all your fault. And uh, oh, and we had another new guy come by. Name is Colin. He's from uh, Vancouver. Area. Oh, he had the jacked up rear axle nut. Yeah, he's on a shadow, and he had some work done on it, and they put his axle nut on so tight like he couldn't get it off, and he pounds. had completely, al- almost completely stripped it. Well, yeah. wow. wasn't he, he trying to use an American socket? He on was a using oh. an American. It was like a seven-eighths on something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Never, ever do that. (laughs) So then um, I was pointing to different tools and techniques to try, and he tried. He couldn't get it, and he was ready to give up. And I said, let me step in. And uh, got a bar and another person to help to pry his his uh, exhaust far enough away to get a proper socket in there and then I put another bar up on that socket so I could hammer because the socket was behind the pipe so I put another straight bar all the way down to the ground and up so I could hammer like three inches above the nut and wow. drove uh, the drove the uh, proper socket on there because that's when the wow. first, when I saw what he was doing the first thing I said I'm like how hard is it to take the exhaust off because well, you couldn't get to the nut properly yeah. you know I'm going to say because I used a hammer and a hammer is a great tool mm-hmm. to use in the garage but it can be so misused so easily yes i think that's the one tool only like experienced mechanics should be allowed to use and the in this case it worked now my favorite tool but you know the funny most mysterious uh, experienced mechanics say their favorite tool is a hammer i know hammer. well charlie i still haven't no. even taken you off of vice grip probation <laughs> I've, I've started using those properly I, well i so that with the hammer i was doing the crankshaft i pressed the cases together and now it wasn't spinning it was like spinning really tightly as Fuck, and I hit it with a hammer and it fixed it. Yeah, yeah. but does it shift? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what well, we're getting there. Personally, I, I like this. Just crunch. hit it again. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it worked out. So I was able just to loosen it like a quarter of a turn just to get the get it loose enough and then they put we put the cotter pin in because it's a castle nut so it's not going to come off and now he can go get it off to replace it but it was just finding the right combination tools and method that's something i have to admit i love doing well he was ready to give up and then just goes to show you know don't give up and 
I'm really and, good at getting off stuck nuts. Yeah. And you did <laughs> these nuts? <laughs> these nuts. <laughs> Froze nuts. Never had any problem getting mine off. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bagel. Liza. Yes, Liza. Nuts. You are here with your friend, Brock. Indeed. And you guys recently got back. From a trip that we have been calling Scooter Stan. So, um, Jim, E, and I have both been on this trip. So, I, we're all dying to know. I want to hear about your trip to Where'd Pakistan. You Where'd you go? Yeah. What'd you do? Where'd you go? Yeah, well, so, we, yeah, tell me about it. We flew into Islamabad and uh, basically rode 40 to 50 year old Vespas from there all the way up to the Chinese border at Hunjarab, then back down the Karakoram Highway until we turned off to the road to a store and then rode from a store across the Osai Plains to Skardu and then from Skardu back to Gilgit and then Gilgit back down to Islamabad. And we did that all in two weeks, about 1,250 miles round trip. Did you go to Shandur? Uh, no, we did not go to Shandur. Okay. Uh, that was too far to the west, but we just went up, up and down. Right. So let's start with you got to Islamabad. Yes. How was it? Brooke, uh, what, uh, were you even prepared? I'm really glad that Bagel knows where we were because I was lost the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, or you can just hit the place with the cows, and then we went to the place with the monkeys, and then right. we stopped at this place with a goat. Yeah, right. <laughs> there were mountains, cows, and monkeys, <laughs> and, and and the occasional uh, what was it a uh, uh, not not a muskot a yak. There were yaks. Yak. Yes. 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 <laughs> Big furry cows. So, so uh, uh, Islamabad <laughs> was was interesting. I would have done anything to get off the plane. Twenty four hours on a plane is just yeah. Way too oh, long. God, you guys yeah. flew like just direct one one flight? No. Okay. We we we, we uh, had a layover in Abu Dhabi, but even so, even it was still like t- at least twenty four hours total travel time it's from here to there. Yeah. It but was it, it was interesting because uh, Abu Dhabi was a somewhat mildly modern airport, and you said, "Okay, I get this." Right. And then you fly into Islamabad, Islamabad. and you're like, "I'm in a different world." Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> how did how did that go in there? Because that was the worst part of my whole trip. Oh well, that was our introduction to being the white guys in country, yeah. where every person in the airport turns and looks at you. Yep. Did you figure out yeah. which line to get into for customs? I, I mean, we, we got in a line and it, it it moved, and we got there. I mean, it seemed like cool. it, there there were all sorts of labels, and people just didn't seem to be following any particular they don't. label. So. Yeah. We just got in one and went through. Just like traffic throughout the whole country. I mean, yeah. the, the one beautiful thing is everyone's very helpful. Mm. You know, yeah. They can tell by the fear in your eyes that you're <laughs> lost. And they, they walk up and offer to you, you, help you. Right. You poor, poor Westerner. You have no clue. You have no idea what you're doing here, do you? <laughs> so where did you guys go from the airport? Because you, cause you well, had some time to spend in Islamabad, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, we the, the first we, we got in at night, so um, Altaf drove us, uh, picked us up at the airport, and drove us, dro- yep, drove us to our hotel. Uh, we were completely exhausted, but but the 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 tr- the ride just from the airport to our hotel left a just an indelible impression of chaos and <laughs> and impending doom at nighttime. Too. At nighttime, yes, going yeah. through the roads of, yes. of Islamabad. First, just the exit driveway of the airport. Is concrete barricades, uh, razor wire, yes. and men with high-powered rifles everywhere on yep. all sides of the street. Yeah, no, I, I, I had a very similar experience when I flew into Delhi. Like, it, it was I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. I was like, coming, go, like this is a very nice highway, and we turned one corner. I was like, I'm gonna die. Why am I here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
but it but the the, the at least for for me i mean i i don't know I, I i wasn't freaked out by the the barbed wire or guns i mean i figure that's all protection measures to keep you know bad guys out right but the the thing that that just frightened me well maybe not frightened but but just baffled me in the beginning when we, when that first ride was just how traffic worked because i knew it was totally different from traffic in the west um but it was just a sea of all types of different vehicles seemingly going in every which direction and i was just absolutely baffled how there were not mass mass casualties and there are lines on the road pileups i mean there are people do paint lines on the road there, just there nobody lines. pays attention to them at all, yeah they're, they're just they're like not even suggestions it's just like <laughs> decorations right right decoration yeah. yeah that's what it is and and just you know every vehicle just moves like like fish in the sea is the best way i found to describe yeah. it so and and everyone just kind of pays attention to where they are where everyone else else is around them make sure there's enough room for themselves enough room for everybody else and it somehow miraculously works you know there's mm-hmm. no, no traffic lights no stop signs if you come to an intersection people just kind of plow through you know which it's a giant hooligan room. ride yeah, yeah. it yeah. is <laughs> and 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 i and when when we were uh, i guess in the first day of the ride i really kind of got that towards the end and when we got got into abadabad with in rush hour traffic i was just having a blast like yes. hooning right. following moe and trying to keep up with them right. yeah. traffic it, it was hilarious it was beautiful chaos really yes um the only thing i really had trouble with and i never got used to it is anytime another vehicle is near you they honk right yeah right. and it is a very polite thing to say hi i'm here right which i could not get out of my american brain wanting to turn around and say what the fuck <laughs> you know, why are you honking at me <laughs> my, my thing i never got over there was coming out of a driveway to turn onto the road i would always wind up on the wrong side of the road <laughs> yeah like for some reason that particular turn always got me that, I, never quite getting the left side of the road thing down yeah yeah that happened a few times damn the british yeah. did, did you find <laughs> that there was a like a rhythm to the to the to the driving. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, everyone just kind of went at their own pace, really. And you know, if if somebody was going slow, you just go around mm-hmm. them. When you get a chance, you know, you make sure there's room for you and you move. Keep in mind there there are donkeys and carts and yeah. motorcycles and cars and all, all on the same road, and all going together. And, and stopped vehicles like it's in the you. middle of the lane, and you just have to make sure you go around them. And school children and <laughs> crossing. School children, yeah. yes. yes, and and rocks in the road. Cats and, and dogs. I, I have to say, and and maybe you guys experienced this at first it was one of the most like frightening things yeah it was harrowing but then by the time i got to about abad i was like fuck yeah and we had a race and i was risking my life like i have not since or ever (laughs) risked my life going up the sides of the roads and like oh shit there's a kid and swerve and yep it's it's amazing how quickly you become comfortable with being three inches from Mm -hmm. a very large truck yeah yeah, <laughs> think think of your list of your top five close calls that you've ever had out on the road. Yeah, that happens to you a hundred times a day there. Yeah, and, and you'd have okay. a, you'd have a gap and you'd go for it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Where you never would hear. No. So, yep. and, so, and but we also have to say, it. I I thought I was having the time of my life hooning over there. Mm-hmm. Then. I was like, Moyne, I can't believe this is like legal. He says, No, it's not legal. <laughs> yeah, it's not legal at all. Like, oh, you just shit. don't get in trouble for it. You know. <laughs> so did you guys go through Murray on the way on the way up? Yes, yes, we oh, went through the, Murray. 
on the way back. We just sort of flew by it on the way up. Yeah, yeah. How'd you like the pavement through there? Which I found it a little greasy and slick. The the, the more, polished, more in Murray. The polished than, asphalt. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Right, Very right, wonderful right. stuff. Yeah. It was so, so worn that it is like smooth as glass. Yeah, oh and no and of course, you know, things drip oil onto the pavement. And and when you come around a curve, and all of a sudden you start to feel your rear tire just kind of sliding out on you. And you're like, whoa, whoa. Okay, take it easy. Oh, the road from Murray down to yeah, yeah. yeah. I raced that oh jeez <laughs> um i went i just i took off like moines like go ahead cuz whenever i knew that there was a, an end point or stop point that yeah. was defined right. right i felt freer to just go for it sure and uh, Raju was driving the Jeep and he was trying to keep up. Yeah. <laughs> and I it was a race. Yeah. And it was it it was almost like a ski slope downhill slalom. It's like really You had to be careful when you came to the water crossings. Or the yeah. biggest thing for me, you had to yeah. be very conscious of the moisture that was present as it would be trailed through because there are no such things as culverts. You uh-huh. know, so it is all that trailing water and stuff on the slope pavement. Those were interesting. Yeah. Though, you know. Oh so, we we had some fun with water crossings oh, actually. Wait. Oh, it's let's, scooters. You're on scooters. Yes. Let's go back. Yeah. With eight wheels. Okay, yeah. let's go back. How many let's of you were on this? What were you riding? Okay, so there were there were four of us in, in all. Uh, Moeen was leading on his uh, Vespa VBB, which is like 50 years old. Um, I was also on a VBB, roughly 50 years old as well. Um, what ro- displacement are they? These are 150 cc. 150. Two strokes. Two stroke yeah. 150. Yep. Okay. And uh, Brooke was on a uh, Vespa Sprint, which is the... the no, 150 this, Super. Oh, super. That's right. Sorry, uh, super, it's which a is super. which is the uh, the successor of the VBB. You had twice as many horsepower as we did. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I know. wait. Did you guys ride like 125 motorcycles? Yeah, yeah, 125. They were not Damn. more more. I don't think they were more horsepower than what you guys but had. We had bigger oh. wheels. You we had, had bigger wheels. wheels. Yeah. So, I think right. our horsepower is like four. You know, four four horsepower. But we're running Vespa Super 150s, but all eight inch wheel. Vintage Vespa, stopping 40 to 50 years. So where did Moyne get these? Um, he got them from Lahore, uh, where where he lives, uh, which is actually one of the bigger scooter areas in Pakistan. Uh, a lot of a lot of the areas up north never ever had scooters, uh, mm-hmm. but Lahore and Karachi, from what I understand, were the the biggest places that that had scooters, uh, and they've just kept them going and kept you know, there's there's a I guess some sort of a local culture there, um, and so Moeen found a couple of uh, older. Eight-inch wheeled bikes. Um, so, then the idea was that we we wanted bikes that were as similar as possible, so that we could share enough parts between them all, so, right. so that we could bring like one spare motor and we could be able to put it in any bike if it was necessary, and do the same wheels, so that way we didn't have like three or four different types of wheels. Yeah, that's the difference between the Hondas we were. The Hondas, you know, you could get parts anywhere. I imagine right. the scooters are a, not. They're not a so rare much. bird there. Yeah, right. especially in parts of the country that never had them. There's no parts to be found, no mechanics. Nothing. So we we actually had our own mechanic come along the trip with us uh, Gudu who is a I guess a Vespa legend in Lahore he's had a shop there that he's worked at for 50 years Wow um, working on working on scooters so he knows them in and out and it, it, he was he was so invaluable to have on the trip because invariably things would, would break or you know have problems and we need to <laughs> you know clean the points or, or adjust something replace the spark plug on the side of the road and so he'd pop out take take care of it 10 minutes later we're back on the road again so this is something i love about moine so basically when you met him here through mm-hmm. the garage you said hey 
tell me about the scooters. I'd love to come over. And he said, sure, I'll just buy a bunch and come on over. Yeah. Pretty well, much. Figure yeah, it out. Basically. The guy digs up the, the only, probably the only guru mechanic around, digs up the scooters, and yep. just makes it happen. Yep. yep. How, how much are these things worth over there? Um, are these, like, collectible, or are these just... I would say probably, I think they were a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, what he paid. Three, 300 bucks. <laughs> and then there was some wow. money some money needed to, you know, get them chip-shaped for the ride. And then... Do, how did you not ship them back here for that price? Did you guys end up buying anything? Uh, like bikes? Yeah. No, we didn't buy any bikes. And I mean, the, 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 the shipping would be just prohibitively expensive. It would be like probably $1,500. Then the, there's the issue of licensing once it got here. Yeah. You know? Oh, there's it, ways. Yeah, I mean, there are, sure there are ways. I mean, the way to do it would be to get a shipping container and fill it full of bikes and, you know, and sell the bikes or something to, to be able to fund it. But um, yeah, that's, it was. It was just too too much to even think about. But are these Italian Vespas? Uh, basically, uh, mine might have been an Indian production bike because I couldn't identify the VIN number. Um, but the the others I think are all Italian. But uh, right. the the interesting terminology here was ship shape for the ride. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> the impression we were given was that we were going to get he was going to find bikes and refurb them, so we were all set to ride. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was a rude awakening that first day of what, what <laughs> ship shape <laughs> in a bike yeah. means. Ship shape in yes. Pakistan does not mean ship shape here. It's no. not even close. Well, yeah. I first, think I'd, I'd rather see bike shaped instead of shaped like a ship. I mean, yeah, I, that would have yeah, been my yeah. first concern. Uh, uh, it's a scooter. They are shaped like a ship. They are kind of shaped. Yeah. That's true. Fair but I, I think one of the, the first things that, that freaked all of us out was no front brake. What? Yeah. These well, bikes. The first shakedown ride, I had no brake at all. Like oh. they did. <laughs> all right. <laughs> they weren't working or they don't come with them? Um, well, they, they came with them originally, but apparently the culture is in, in Pakistan to not make the front brake or make the front brake not work That's because <laughs> because it's too dangerous because on the, the, the polished roads if you grab the front, front brake, brake the wheel yes. will lock up and you'll go right down Yes, and so they just basically disconnect it or they adjust it so loose that it doesn't even do anything yes. and and I and so all we had were rear brakes and these are again 8 inch wheeled bikes with a little it's like, like, a, like a 5 inch drum I think basically and so the stopping power is underwhelming at best uh, if they're even adjusted properly <laughs> so so we go out on the shakedown ride and there's like no front brake and Moyne's like yeah we don't use a front brake here I'm like oh okay yeah. this will be fun going up and down mountains uh-huh. and bear in mind we're we're prepping with no brakes to go ride the Himalayas yes right <laughs> but going up's not hard you know yeah. <laughs> And and so these are clutch. These yes. are clutch. Yep. Yep. And manual, so. is this the shift on the on the left hand grip? Four speed yep. on the <coughs> yep on the grip. Yep. All right. So you see the bikes. Are wow. you like woohoo? Vespas. Uh, are you like oh what a piece of crap? I was. It was a little mixture of of both. Um, because these 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 bikes looked very very well used. I mean they had you know battle scars and how and old were they? Forty to fifty years okay. old. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So so I mean I and I knew that they were going to be you know. Well used, obviously, and so. Uh, but and, and I mean, they, they looked they looked good. They looked the part, you know, Pakistani Vespas, and I was stoked to see them. But then it was like like seeing like little things about how how they were set up, so like the, like the no front brake thing, and I was just like, oh crap. 
some some of the mechanic uh, mechanics have been cobbed over the last fifty years. Yeah, Let's say that a little bit. There's a little bodgery that goes on, but you know that's just the way it is. They don't have anything. All right, so yeah. so you yeah. get you the bikes. What you got? Wait, you mean there's no Piaggio rep out there? Yeah. No, I don't, don't think so. So you get the bikes and you head out and you have that first learning curve of like trying to figure out what side of the road and yep. how is this. I can't believe I'm heading out into this right. battleground of right. vehicles. So let's get this straight. You head out and there's no brakes. <laughs> You're on the left side of the road. It's <laughs> game on. Drive. There are no rules. If yeah. no traffic rules are, there are no rules. Oh, and did I mention awesome. that these, these engines were just rebuilt and they were not even broken in? Nice. Uh, I think I soft seized mine twice on the first ride where we rode for like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my bike had no second gear for the first shakedown ride. <laughs> no second gear. So yeah, oh, okay. we were sort of jam shifting between first, first and, and third. Charlie, did you right. touch that bike? No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But, but we got, you know, we got back from the shakedown ride and we told Gudu, okay, you know, this needs this and this, this and this. And so he's like, okay, okay. And then, you know, got to work and adjusting things. And by the time we left the next morning, you know, the bikes were rideable. And did you have front brakes? We, I, I asked him for front brakes and I, no. I like, I tried to test them out and I squeezed the front brake all the way to the, the hand grip and the bike just sort of made a sort of hint of slowing sort of like it wouldn't even hold it like if i if i put the brake on while i was stopped and pushed the bike it would move <laughs> like there's like a hint of friction at the front brake and that's that was the most that i got during the entire trip even though i asked him like like five different times please give me some front brake right. i think we're putting a negative spin on this though because by the third day all the bikes were running like a top yeah they I mean, were they, right. they knew what they were doing yeah, and, yeah. Right. and then we continued to break them yes yeah <laughs> oh yeah we we just you know pushed them beyond what they were ever designed to do <laughs> okay so how do, how far did you go on your first day uh the first day was just to Abbottabad. i think that was uh, um, it was a short ride. Yeah, uh, it was like, like 100, 60K? 118 kilometers. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so it was a good, good first day, you know, just to kind of get used to everything. Y- you stopped well. at that gas station with the little tent mosque? No? Um... I'm not sure. I, right. think, I think all the gas stations had little moths. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you're like getting into it, and I'm curious, yeah. what kind of gear did you guys? Did you get fully geared like for an adventure trip or? Well, I I rode my uh, my armor jacket and helmet um, and uh, had Kev- Kevlar gloves. Okay. Um, didn't wear any riding pants. Um, I mean, I brought riding pants, but didn't didn't wear them. They don't really fit me anymore anyway. Did you feel overdressed compared to the oh, Pakistanis? Yes. Oh yes. Oh completely. I mean, there the 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 way that people wear motorcycle helmets there, like like. Let me put it this way. There was a guy wearing a helmet that looked like it was probably 30 years old, and his chin was sticking out the face hole. Um, this, that was the way he kept it on his head as he was riding. Right. Right. Um, like, like it's like if, if they're wearing a helmet, it's not even strapped on. Um, you have to remember that a brand new helmet there costs, what was it, like 3 or $7? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. They're really cheap. <laughs> like, but they're, like, they're not a gear culture. I mean, you're lucky to have a helmet on yeah. at all. Like, like I saw a guy wearing like a, like a construction hard hat, and that was probably... 
probably better than a lot of the helmets I saw people wearing. A lot of right. lot of like football easy rider style kind of yeah right. situations. I always, I always felt when I come into a town like like I was like a knight in armor. Yes, I, I felt like I was a spaceman like yeah. astronaut yeah. coming in. What can I say? You know, the country they got you know they got heel toe shifters because people wear sandals. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, babies on the front, juniors between mom and you know and dad, and mom sitting side saddle in a burka. Yep. Okay. Yep. You and, know, like, and the dad's wearing a long chemise. You know. Right. Like and, yeah. And the whole country runs like that. Yeah. Like, okay. And it all yeah, works. That was that was one of the craziest Not things a, that I didn't get used to is all the toddlers sitting on handlebars. Yeah. Yes. On handlebars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I did. So, I did witness a guy going down the road, and the guy in the back had a live goat under each arm. <laughs> so I, I you believe know, it. Okay, that deserves an award. Going down the road. Yeah. Yep. So toddlers and goats, yaks and tuk-tuks. What else did you see on the roads? Like, what kind? Do, is there? Is I mean, scooters obviously in Lahore, uh, mm-hmm. but like, is there a bike culture to speak of? Yeah. Yeah, actually, there are a lot more bikes on the road than there are here because yeah. that's what people can afford. Okay. You know, the the average lower to middle class person who can afford a vehicle can afford a Honda 125. Okay, so a and lot of... It's, it's really interesting because every single bike is exactly the same. Okay. You know, people pimp them out they, in different ways, but... Uh, like, yeah, like in Islamabad, the, the, there was, like, the, the stereotypical 70cc Honda or Honda knockoff that was just everywhere. And, and, and because these bikes are so plentiful, and I guess they, they, you know, they work well, they're in demand, um, they've even taken to market them in ways that make it sound like it's, it's a, a good investment for your money. Like, they would right. actually label the bikes cash deposit was, like, the name right. of a model of the bike over there. Or... Uh-huh. Um, on the cash deposit? Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, there's basically two bikes, the 70 or the 125. And so, yeah. uh, Brooke, I was pointing out to you, over in the corner, do you see the blue tank hanging in the corner? Yes. That was one of the lovely custom-painted tanks that you could buy. Like, they had shops that were just selling right. you tanks and side covers and everything. Mm-hmm. Would, and there, um, would there be any larger displacement bikes that you saw? Or? There were a handful, uh, but not many. And, um, and most of the larger displacement bikes we saw were ADV bikes that foreigners were had ridden in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rich kids, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, so wh- how many days... So... You were you're riding along. When did you start hitting like river crossings and sketchy roads? Well, define sketchy. I, I yeah. think I think I think the first real sketch that we got was when we left Naran. Um, so you went to Naran Valley. Uh, yes, oh, and okay. we stayed in Naran and then left the next morning, heading north. Um, over Babur's top. Oh yeah, over towards Babur's top. But within, I would say, like twenty minutes of when we left, we came to what was a bridge. All right. Uh, oh wait, but describe bridges. Okay, okay. describe bridges. Bridges are are full on Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes. like, yeah. Like every foot. You go across, you hear a creak, Suspension, and you say, wait, I'm going into the river. Suspension bridges made of whatever twiner rope they had handy, mm-hmm. probably made out of yak fur and <laughs> lumber or logs and pulled from the river. And, and sheet they metal put the nailed on top of the lumber. With holes. Metal, with yes. holes, yes. Yeah, a wooden yeah. bridge with potholes, right. basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, when, and when you see a big one of those big trucks going over the sus- suspension bridge, <laughs> you see the suspension bridge sag <laughs> on the part the truck is driving over as it goes across. And I just was sitting there looking at it, thinking, 
I'm going to ride across that. I hope I make it. <laughs> so, so you get to this bridge. So we got to this bridge. This was this was a, a girder style bridge, which apparently was set up to replace the original bridge that had, I guess, looked like it had been washed out in a flood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. But we got to the bridge, and there were there were all these cars backed up, and all these people standing around, and we're wondering, okay, what's going on here? So we stopped for traffic, yeah. and sort of eagle-eyed down into the valley, and yeah. said, I think that bridge is gone. Yeah. So we we kind of worked our way down there, and got off, and sure enough, there was a one of the big trucks, big Pakistani trucks that had been overloaded with bags of cement. Had tried to cr- had tried to cross this bridge at like five thirty in the morning, and the bridge said "fuck it" and you need collapsed. To, you need to sort of define big Pakistani truck and overloaded. This isn't a concept we have here in the West. It's it's yeah, it's redundant. I should one of those say. ones that looks like a beetle. Uh, it looks like no. a giant jewel box. Yeah. It's a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like some short bed military. Like that military, jewel box up there. Why do I have a jewel box in the military cars, style? The like <laughs> yeah. dual differential rear axle compound, low maximum speeds, probably. 40 miles an hour and then when they yeah. load it they load it to like the hilt. I mean to the hilt like it's a, it with bricks and, and or they, concrete or something and, right and they raise the sides and front of the bed right. of the truck up as high as they possibly can so they can fit more stuff in there and there's like even a little like a compartment over the cab of the truck where they can yeah. stuff more, more things stuff. in. They, right. they stuff them so high they fall over. Yeah. I, I think right. ev- did you, I think we all encountered trucks fall, that had fallen, fallen over. over truck. wow. just, yeah. They just fall over. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the bridge was the only one I saw that had actually fallen over anywhere, but, so, but like the whole side of the bridge just collapsed and the truck was like ha- half like hanging into the river. Oh my gosh. And and people were still walking across <laughs> the bridge. Across the leftover piece of the yeah. bridge. And, right. and, and driving their sheep across. And again, with right. the herds of goats. And getting yeah. the cement off the truck because that's valuable. Well, eventually they did, but uh, so we're sitting there looking at this thing, thinking, "Crap, we left early so we could make good time. We haven't even had breakfast yet, and now we have to figure out how to get across this river with this broken bridge." And well, we decided, well, the locals are going across. It doesn't seem like it's moving, so let's just carry the scooters across. And with the help of some locals, that's exactly what we did. And I mean, they are famous for being Sherpas, (laughs) so you know you can talk. Them into picking up anything about and carry resourcefulness. It resourcefulness in places like Pakistan. People say, you know, I come around the road and there's a big rock in the road, and people are like, wow, what happens? And I go, well, it depends if it's a good rock. And people are like, what do you mean, depends if it's a good rock? And I say, well, if you can make concrete out of it, some guys come along and they bust it up right quick. But if you can't do anything with it, it just stays in the road. That's resourceful, right? You know? yeah. So is and, this the point where you realize this is not like any other trip yes. you've ever gone? <laughs> this is the point where I got really excited because oh, yeah. I mean the whole yes yeah. the idea of wow this becomes a true adventure when things yes. go sideways yes. yeah and exactly. and right there that's when I said all right no matter what goes wrong or what crazy shit happens mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna surf it yeah. Yep. yes yeah it's like comfort zone is just gone forget about it it doesn't even exist you're just out there and you do what you got to do to get where you got to go and yeah and, and with the help of other people we got our bikes across the uh, the bridge we made it safe and sound and then we had to cross another like water crossing on the other side of the bridge which was like a little part off of the river um and moline went first he went right through it and made it all the way. And then I think, Brooke, you went... Did you go next or did I go... Yeah, I think I went next. Yeah, you went next and you stalled out um, and had to 
push it's, your bike through. It's funny because I, I it wasn't until I was halfway across the river that I realized that it was up over the floorboards. It's kind of deep. Yeah. Which, which means a Vespa engine is completely submerged. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. And, and I, I went across and I stalled out too. Um, but we managed to get our bikes through and, and we had to take electrical components off and you know, blow blow the water out of them and, and managed to get the bike started again. So, um, and then I know, I think you went through the kind of the same arc that I went through because I was following you on Facebook, mm -hmm. where at first I was just, you know, you're, you're overwhelmed mm -hmm. by this different culture. And then you start to just take in all the, the beautiful country. Yeah. And then you start to discover beyond the country, the, the people. Yes. Right. And we all kind of go through this arc. Mm -hmm. um, and... Brooke, you have a great story I want you to tell that I think really sums up. It's hard for us, again, as Americans, to fathom this. I mean, maybe it happens here, but usually not. You, uh, why don't you tell the story? Well, uh, yeah, one of the interesting things about the whole trip is they culturally have a basic tenant called Mahan Navazi, which means take care of the guest. Right. And that is the first thing anybody jumps to. No matter mm -hmm. what, no matter where you go, you're a guest in our country. What do you need? What can I do for you? Would you like to come to dinner? It's amazing. Anything. And they think of you before themselves. Yeah. Uh, well, case in point, uh, one of the big stories of the trip for me was I'm I'm a camera guy, so I had GoPros strapped all over <laughs> me, and and uh, we we stopped one time. You know, you stop multiple times in a day, and I realized, oh crap, one of my GoPros is gone, you know, broken off the mount, just sheared off. Uh, you know, the roads are rough, and <laughs> but what do you do at that point? You know, where did it break off? I don't know. Could have been. 40 kilometers ago and, and we're never going to find it we're out in the middle of nowhere yeah and it's getting dark and, and we need to get to our hotel and, and i just sort of said okay well it's not the first gopro i've destroyed right, right. and uh <laughs> oh well sorry bye bye gopro bummer about the footage but yeah. you know and you move on yeah um we what we had about another 30 kilometers to go to get to our destination that night and you know then kind of put me in the doldrums so i was the sad sack at the back of the pack you know riding along <laughs> going oh my gopro's gone it's a bunch of money and everybody else got to town before i did and they all flagged me down before the hotel and said hey hey come here come here we've and moin said i've got somebody i want you to meet <laughs> Okay, whatever. I'm up for meeting anybody. That's why I'm here. And he introduced me to the guy. The guy, you know, said, "Oh, you know, I've, I've just wanted to meet you, and I wanted to say hello, and I wanted to give you this GoPro." Out of his pocket, he pulls my GoPro, and I'm thinking, "How do you? How did this happen?" One, <laughs> you know, any any place in America, the somebody found finds a GoPro, they'd say. I got a GoPro. Right. Right. This yeah. is awesome. Uh, these guys had one found the GoPro. They had taken the card out and looked at the video footage on it and noticed it was all of our pack riding scooters, and there are no scooters there. So they set off 
to go find scooters on the road. In the opposite direction they were traveling in, too. Right. And they we were probably two hours down the road wow. when they tracked us down. Two hours out of their way. Two hours, two hours out of their way. Amazing. Yeah. And they were just so thrilled to be of service to us. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know how to react to it. I was shocked. That stuff happens all the time, though, too. So yeah, yeah it is. It it's all a very normal thing to take care of strangers. Buying so, them a beer seems woefully inadequate at that point. Well, <laughs> not to mention inappropriate culturally. But a chai. A chai would be great, though. I want to hear if you guys have any other favorite stories or favorite places you visited. Well, uh, one of I, I think that the, the most fun I had there was in the Hunza Valley in Karimabad. Yeah. Um, because we not only is it an absolutely beautiful place, it's this this sort of jewel of a lush valley, you know, nestled in the mountains of Pakistan. But um, it you know has this old fort that we went and toured, which is really neat. And and but we had uh, we had, we had live music uh, mm-hmm. that performed for us at the hotel. There, this group came and and performed for us, and and you know just whoever whoever else was there. And we just had this party out on the roof and jamming out and dancing. Uh, and it was it was just a, a, a wonderfully just a wonderful insight into the culture because I'm I'm a big music person and and I really have not had much exposure to Pakistani music and to hear hear it performed live was just such a thrill and it because it's so different from what we're used to it's different scales and tonalities and and totally different techniques of singing with just amazing vocal inflections and, and things that just it, it was a it was such a treat um so i i really enjoyed that that opportunity to to not just see the place but but really in, engage in the culture and and hang out with people and, and talk with them sweet yeah I, uh, I think my favorite part of the trip was that every day had at least five big major events that you would consider a life event if you were riding in America. Right. And, you know, every day I felt like I was riding two steps above my skill level. Mm-hmm. Except yeah. somehow it every day, unfortunately, I mean, we had some offs. Sure. You know, yeah. I, had, sure. I had a wonderful event of flying over the handlebars into a river. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? that, was, that was the water crossing in DOSI. It hurt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, it was, but it was awesome on film. I don't know. Well, <laughs> DOSI itself, I mean, I, I rode across the road on 125, and there's just, you know, they, they, they say it's like some kind of cobblestone road, but it's, it's like all these boulders that are just packed in mud, and it's just yeah. a, it's an amazingly technical challenging area to ride across and then down to Scardu and I mean obviously we had some offs over there how'd yeah. the rest of it go on scooters I mean well, I just, just think we really got beat up yeah. you know yeah. I mean I rode I rode the first you know I'm, I'm the old BMX generation so I rode the first hour like I was riding a BMX bike right. and you know a scooter's tiny and you can throw it around but after an hour I was exhausted yeah. and I just rode the rest of the way sitting on the back seat so I could get all the weight over the back tire and full throttle you know just <laughs> letting go, the bike just to go fly over, the over anything yeah. Yeah. Right. and I, I actually I think this is probably the first time that I've had a Vespa 
off the ground you know <laughs> oh, <wow>. multiple times <laughs> so at any point awesome. were you guys thinking why did we choose vespas for what this? am i doing here yeah yeah at least 10 times a day yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, I was constantly reminded that that these these bikes were absolutely not intended for what we were trying to do with them but that's kind of my mo it's what i do with scooters i make them do things they were never intended to be done with and you guys uh think that you were the first group the Vespas go over the DSI planes, right? right? As far as we know, um, according to Moeen, no one has ever been known to have ridden Vespas across across the DSI plane because it, it's such a rugged and and inaccessible place. It's thirteen thousand feet, something like that. Uh, it's like twelve thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 12, the second second so, highest planes in the world, second to the roof of the world in Tibet. Yeah. So, so and let's explain this. How let's see. How long was the road across DSI? One hundred thirty-seven yep. kilometers. Yeah. Yep. And how many hours did that take you? Uh, that was a solid eight hours of riding alone. It's, um, it's loose baseball-sized gravel. Yes. Yeah, and and silt in some places, um, yeah, which is super fine and just would kind of squish right into it. Stuck in a rut. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and other, other places where it's just like, like hard rock and you're just being just pulverized by it as you're riding over it um it, it was definitely the 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 toughest tech te- technically toughest ride of the entire trip and we were so beat up at the end uh especially after we came through came across the the mm-hmm. plane we had to come back down this this gravel switchback steep you know hairpin turn mountain road which like it's looked a death like, row yeah it looked like certain yeah death. it's it's, it's scree and, scree shale mixed with gravel yeah yeah. It's just really nasty. Yeah, and 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 it, as if that wasn't bad enough, when we got to the bottom, Moeen insisted that we take this. This there's like this really nice, you know, well, relatively nice for Pakistan standards, uh, modern bridge that was solid, uh-huh. you know, going across the river at the end of the road. But he insisted that we take the the real sketchy suspension bridge uh-huh. that was next to it, uh-huh. that was like swaying back and forth, <laughs> yes. just by itself. And and you're like, oh, it'll be fine. And so we did it, and we set the camera up to take a shot of it, and, and rode all the way across and made it across. I hesitated on the edge of the bridge. The three of them rode across, and then I thought about backtracking and taking the good bridge. <laughs> yeah. Well, you learned that when Moyne says, "Hey guys, you really got to check this out. This is going to be great." It's yeah. when you learned that you were in for something special. Right. Every time yeah. he said that, you. Like okay, we got something coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, like on my trip, I think by the end of the trip, I was taking so many risks. I think I felt immortal by that. Point. <laughs> yeah, you I, know, I, I really felt like Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like I could ride any road in North America now. I mean, I, I've been there have been roads I've been on that I was like thirty miles of dirt, and I was just, I was just completely shot at the end of it. Now I'm, I'm just like, that's nothing. And then you guys, did you take the road up to Rama Lake? We didn't ride it. But we took the van up okay. because it was okay. it was getting dark, and but Moe wanted to show us the the place up there, and we took the, this big Toyota van up this narrow, like windy road on like up cliff sides, getting up there. Where there are points where there have been landslides. Yes, yeah. And like now there's these giant rocks where the road is. Ethan and I were the only ones who took the bikes up there. It was like being a goat. Yeah, well, it was so much fun. Did you get up the Lake Saif Maluk? By Naran, in the no. backside of Naran, no, the little lake so. at the top of the mountain there. No, we didn't no. go but, there. But uh, the Rama Lake 
ride up in the van was mm. just about probably the most dangerous. <laughs> I had to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got to a point where we had the whole crew, because we had dropped off the bikes at the hotel, and the whole crew in the van, and the van was too heavy to get up the steep hill. <laughs> yeah. So we offloaded half of us people and then the van started driving up and then we realized we're standing on the side of the road and we had to run (laughs) and jump into the side door of the moving van and i'm I'm a fat middle-aged man it was not (laughs) something i should be doing you know what we were having fun again because i think a lot of us by that point were feeling immortal uh this moine had his uh jeep and so people were hanging off the back and the sides of the Jeep (laughs) on that road. That's normal in Pakistan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, so much fun. Charlie, you have to go do this trip, man. Maybe. You have to go do this trip. Yeah. All y'all. Isaac, Michael, you guys do not understand. You take so many risks and survive that... I'll do the one on Royal Enfields. No, Royal Enfields is not the get to the point like <laughs> you get to the point where I did where you just have to ride not to Rama Lake but around Rama Lake over the uh, the shepherd's footpaths <laughs> over the water and park your bike on top of a shepherd's shelter so that you can get a photo of yourself in the bike. So <laughs> the only because. place of the only place I've ever gotten motion sickness is on a bus in the Himalayas. <laughs> they can they they will make me car sick. I nowhere can, else. See that. Never gotten especially, anywhere else. Especially because the buses, when it goes around a turn, the bus leans mm. like over to oh. the outside by like <laughs> yeah. twenty degrees. It's like you're asleep and you wake up and all, and you look out the window and there's just a wall going by your face at like thirty miles an hour, like three inches away. Yeah, yeah. I had I had issues riding going with the wall on one side, a sort of three quarter lane, mm-hmm. and then. A couple hundred foot drop. Yes. My peripheral vision was getting all screwed <laughs> with, up. With their version of a guardrail, guardrail, which is cement blocks spaced fairly randomly yeah, between yeah. you and the cliff. Like, enough like, like a enough so they would really hurt if you hit <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's what I always thought when I saw like, that, that would really hurt. That was my thought, too. <laughs> Did you guys do, is it uh, from Babusar down to Chalas? Uh, yes. Where it yes. was that oh, yeah, yeah. perfectly paved yep. switchback of mm-hmm. a racetrack yes. kind of a road yep. that... Oh, we came the other way. We came up that. Wasn't we, that we, so did, much we did fun? both, yeah. Did you do both ways? And, yep. Oh, nice. Yep. And there, was, every now and then you'd hit these roads and there's no cars. Yeah, there were there were cars when we were doing it, but um, but we, we I think we were being careful not to push the scooters too hard at that point because we didn't know how much they could take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Karakoram so. Highway, both north and south of Gilgit, there are sections that, are, that go through tunnels and the pavement's beautiful and yep. it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and then there are other sections that look like the surface of the moon. Oh. Oh, well, you know. And then, um, so you also took the scooters up to Kunjarab Pass, which is what, like 16... Yep. 15,400. 15,400? Yep. How did the bikes, how did the scooters handle that? Did you have to rejet? They they did amazingly well. Um, we we did uh, we did have, have jets, um, and we did a little bit of little bit of jetting, but for the most part, um, there were very few jet changes. I was amazed, but yeah. I think I figured it out why. Um I think that the 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 technique is to let the the dirt and dust from the air clog the jets as you go up in altitude <laughs> to lean your mixture right. out, and then as you come back down, you just kind of clean them a little bit as you go. Right. And and I think I think that's how we managed to do it the whole way with with minimal jet changes. <laughs> it was it was interesting because at that point, up at altitude, the scooters wouldn't go more than ten miles per no. hour, no. and 
I just wanted to get up there because it was below zero. It was really yeah. And I couldn't feel my hands by the time I got to the top. Yeah, and and my my bike really started started having a, a hard time making it up there. And Ben Moyne offered to let me take his bike up to the top. I, I thought he wasn't going to make it, but sure enough, he he rode my bike all the way up, and so it it made it too. And. Wow. Um, yeah, and it was yeah, it was it was literally below freezing at the top of the the pass, uh, which is by the way the highest paved border crossing in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we rode up and parked off to the side um, because they don't let vehicles drive up to the actual border. Um, and uh, but we walked the last 500 meters or so to the border, and uh, yeah. they you know it was like a party there. We got our bikes up there because they they said oh uh, they have to stay here. Moyne said can we have one for a photo shoot? Uh-huh. So they said, okay, and they took one up, and then uh, he's like, oh, but I need to get all the other people up here, so we're going to use another one to shuttle. Uh So we started shuttling, and then, like... Next thing you know, we have six bikes up there. Right, yeah. yeah. This is more how Moyne works. That's awesome. And nobody I, said a peep. Yeah, I, I wish we could have done that too, but yeah, but I guess it just didn't didn't work out. But there were there were all sorts of, of Pakistanis who were up there too, and they were excited to see us there. And everybody's like dancing as like we're pulling in, and and it was it was just like in freezing weather. Yeah, in freezing yeah, weather. Yeah, in freezing weather. And, and, and it was it was snowing at that point. <laughs> yeah, and we were just just kind of like like little. Lightheaded and and short on, short on breath and kind of stunned, um, but just very <laughs> thankful to, to be there and uh, to have made it all the way up there. And it was just it was just a spectacular. Cause have you we've seen the pictures of the big gate at the border, but just seeing it you know approaching in the distance as we're coming up to the top, just like wow, I can't believe I'm actually here. And and to go up there and stand in front of it and say hello to the Chinese border guard on the other side of the fence. It was it was a real just it, it absolute was, trip. It was meaningful i gotta admit when i first saw it off in the distance i got all a little choked up a little you know obviously i was pushed to my limit already but uh then then when i pulled in the scooter to park i sort of had to get my composure you know don't let the guy see you cry so (laughs) other than you crying like a girl how how did this trip change you guys um reaffirmed my faith in humanity you know, there, I didn't see that one coming. There, there are good people everywhere, exactly. and uh, you know, it's 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 amazing when you see people that are that are pure and happy. That we saw people that have nothing. Yeah, they don't have anything. They don't have anything. But they have this happiness. And here, here I was. I was worried that I, you know, I the three pairs of motorcycle gloves, you know, <laughs> that all cost fifty bucks, right. <laughs> weren't going to be enough. And which is more than one of those guys makes in a month. And these yeah. these people live in the Himalayas without any gloves, right. you know. And and they are happy with it. But you can't buy your own cup of chai because you're a guest in your country. <laughs> yep. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> how about you, Bagel? How, how did it change you? Yeah, that that is exactly the same experience that I had. It it literally has reaffirmed my faith in humanity. Um, you know, which I, I've I've really kind of been struggling with it in a way for you know for the last year or two. You know, just just trying to find this you know some some sign of hope for for the world and and humanity because it just seems like everything is just just 
turning to shit and people are just the world's just full of assholes it seems sometimes and to go over there and to be treated well and and kindly and warmly by by the people uh everywhere we went literally without exception um it was such a a positive and and reaffirming experience that uh that i i've been carrying it with me ever since then and you know and and i, and I think really what it comes down to is is that they make the effort to connect with people on a one-to-one basis and that's part of the 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 uh, the, the 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 guest uh, the hospitality culture that they have it puts that emphasis on that which i think in the west we've really lost that to a large degree and and i think it's something that we could learn from from that from that culture and i think that if we make the effort to reach out to one another and just even people we don't even know and just as as a as a baseline human interaction uh, to to show some kindness to somebody else I think that would go for if everyone could do that I think that would go such a long way to make society and the world such a better place because it it, it it provides a basis for people to understand one another and not hate one another and to actually realize hey we're both humans we share so much in in this experience called life that it's not worth paying attention to all of this strife and bullshit that goes on it's it's about you know connecting with that person and that make that i think makes can make all the difference in the world so when are you going back i don't know yet but i'm i am definitely going back <laughs> absolutely we as soon all, as i can swing it do. yeah uh, jim you you, you want to go for a number as soon as i can swing it you know hold on one second hand me some motorcycle gloves very quickly you got a creepy crawly in your shop Ouch. Uh, hold on is the possum here out, is the possum here Get your camera out. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> we got a possum in the shop, fellas. Hi. It's okay. Oh it's okay. Damn. I'm going to pet you. Where'd you? <laughs> Hi. It's the fuck? <laughs> Liza, so for those, Liza is for those of you whisper. listening, Hi. Liza literally just pulled it's a okay. live possum out from behind the toolbox. Hi. Shit. <laughs> I, I, we're, okay, it's I drooling. Yeah, we need Actually, some welding you know welding gloves. Hold on, I got gloves. it. I got Possums it. are not something to fuck with. Yeah, especially when they're scared. It's oh. yeah, it's drooling on the uh, Liza has on the welding. Taking bench. off her headphones. <laughs> okay, so I'm we are in full possum mode. Oh, it's really cute. And scared of fuck out of cute. Don't let us see the rotting one. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Wow. What the fuck? That was completely <laughs> and totally random. I have never seen that happen on a podcast. She's, uh, so recycle. she's taking oh, it next door. I've, I've, I've seen it once know. before. That was like a crazy to Pakistani put it in the face. Possum. Dude, seriously. I would expect neighbors. to see that like Pakistan. Excuse me, I need to get something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, okay. I thought it was like a black widow like, or something like that. No. Dear listeners, so assuming Liza doesn't edit this out, which she probably will. The possum hasn't gotten a better Liza has <laughs> <laughs> taken the possum over to her yard where some people are having a lovely evening. And she's going to freak the And she's out going of to put it on their table. <laughs> <laughs> I already hear the screaming. <laughs> yeah, really. Okay. Did you keep talking? We did keep talking. We kept up a commentary. freak me out because I'm the new guy? What, what How long the, have you been training that we, possum? We actually staged that. So, uh, so what happened to the possum? It's gone now. 
Okay, sorry about that. Keep a trap back, some bait back there or something? No, what are you doing? They just work their way in here. All right, sorry, I'm back. So the possum lives under the workbench. <laughs> and it comes out at night, and we're recording later than usual. Ah, uh, I see. So I saw it come nice. up right behind Jim, <laughs> so I just grabbed it. Yeah. <laughs> Stayed still. She as grabbed it by the tail as, as you would, like, a lizard. Stop. Let, yes. Let's go back to like that. Lizard. The possum lives, lives under the in, workbench. In the shop. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's right. I okay. s- I sleep it's under there. You're saying that didn't and scare it? We're talking about an actual possum. This isn't a euphemism. No, no, no it's a real possum. No, it was yeah. a thing way. Probably by what? No, eight, uh, that's still a five, six still pounds? a teenager. It's teenage not full grown yet. What's his name, Liza? Um, Brooke, if you didn't notice, there's a dead possum hanging over there in the garage. It's, it's like possum jerky. It's mummified. <laughs> anyway. Mummified, yeah. Possum jerky. yeah, sorry about that. I'm the possum whisperer, so I always have to catch them and then pet them. And I force my love on them. <laughs> because With well they really want. <laughs> in full armor, if possible. <laughs> no, I Good saw it. I was very handy in Yeah, well. Better than me. <laughs> sorry. So, so you're, you're going to go back, though. I, I definitely absolutely want to go back. And In fact, I'm, I'm seriously considering trying to see if there's a place that teachers teaches Urdu around here so I can learn language because awesome. I like languages. I'm so glad that you guys were able to go on this and have that experience. Mm-hmm. I, it's too. something, I mean, Jim, you were kind of the first one of us who, who went. Yeah. And yeah, I went over there and um, I thought so much of the place that I actually went down like the second day out and broke my collarbone. And um, I thought so much of the place that I decided to stick around. Now, in hindsight, that may or may not have been a good idea because some of the Jeep roads we took with, with a floating broken bone Ooh. were really, really hard. But, yeah, I, I stayed on, you know, and then I went back. I took I, I, I came back to the States. I had the steel. I had my collarbone rebroken, a steel plate installed. I had a steel Oof. plate taken out. I went back and rode Pakistan with a steel plate in my riding jacket. Wow. Um, nice. You know... Hunza places like Hunza are I don't know um, unlike any other place you've seen on okay. the planet well I mean <laughs> and I have been to Robinson Crusoe Island and Easter Island and I've been from Haifa to Hong Kong and Valdez to Valparaiso and I used to sh- ship out in the Merchant Marine and I worked in semiconductor and installed tools across the world and Hunza is really special you know those people you know I'll tell you for me, as a motorcyclist, it's such a special treat to be able to go over there. And uh, I mean, it's a hooligan ride. It's it's jackass. It's 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 um, uh, Indiana Jones. It's a thrill. It's an adventure. It's everything. And I don't know anywhere else on the planet that somebody will do that. You, if you go to these rides through the Alps, or you know, they're amazing, amazing adventures and rides. Mm-hmm. Or you can go through the jungles in Costa Rica, but I don't think they're letting you like, oh, go ahead, we'll catch up with you in three hours, just stop at the gas station, right. yeah. you know, like, like this is so loose. Um, that's what really turned me on about this, like, it's like no other. Yeah, it, it was very freeing, I felt. You, know, you, you get those moments where you realize somebody's a mile ahead of you and somebody's two miles behind you, and I'm alone riding yes. across Pakistan. Yeah, yes. like I, I experienced that when I was going across the Osai Plain because in the middle where it just kind of turns sort of deserty, I just started hauling ass and I just I just 
booked it and I was having fun and all of a sudden I realized I am way ahead of everybody else I hope I'm on the right path but yeah. I just kind of stopped and looked around took some pictures because I was concentrating so much on writing I couldn't picture take pictures while, while I was writing um, but there was no one around and I was just like okay I'm just gonna keep going and I did and had an absolute blast Awesome. I mean, getting free. We were at Rama, at PDTC Rama, mm -hmm. and the guys didn't even know about the lake. And I got on the bike, and I said, I'm going exploring. Anybody want to go? And everybody's like, oh, I'm tired. You yeah. know? And I was like, and I went and found this lake, and I came back, and I said, guys, you got to see this. Yeah. You know? Um, but that's the kind of... See, you enjoyed the you lake. I love the road to the lake. I just had uh -huh. so much fun yeah. going on all the roads. Oh, and the other thing we haven't even talked about is the food. Oh, mm. my God. Oh, oh, my God. The food is so Excellent. good. And for people who have no idea about Pakistan, any food is very similar to Indian cuisine, um, but except you can eat beef. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and but the 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 absolute best was cha cha chicken in Gilgit. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, it's a spicy dry rub barbecue chicken, and it is so absolutely delicious. Uh, we stopped there twice, in fact, on the way back because it was it was too good to pass up. And I think I ate seven pieces of chicken that night. It was. So delicious. Well, for anyone listening, if this sounds like something you may be interested in doing, guess what you can? Yes. Moyen Khan, who puts this on, who hosts this, you can um, learn more if you go to a differentagenda.com. Yes. And just like learn from bagel he's he just asked him like hey will you do a vespatory so okay i'll go buy some vespas yep this and guy is so cool he just wants people to come visit his country and take away from it what an amazing place it is that's all he wants yeah and to really see it for what it is and not not what is portrayed in the media and in people's minds you know that that get this completely distorted perception of, of what pakistan is and people think it's oh it's this hotbed of terrorism well no they pakistan is a, is a target of terrorism just like the united states is a target of terrorism you know they they are defending themselves from you know a bunch of assholes coming in from the outside just like we are you know they're they're good people and wonderful people and you have to go there and see it for yourself yeah That's let's all just I to suffice say. to say that it's you know it's skewed you know uh i'm in hunza i talked to my girlfriend she's like oh my god there's these people and they stoned her family member on the steps of lahore and oh you know you're not in lahore anymore are you and i'm like yeah well you know, some kids ran through a high school back east and knifed like 18 people right at the same time. You don't happen to be around there, are you? You know, right. I mean, it's it's the very, very skewed. Moyne has really diligently tried to put some together trips. And, and then there was a, there was attack in a park in a Christian park around Easter. And all of a sudden the trips just fell apart because everybody's like, oh, my God, Pakistan's dangerous. Uh, no. And I still talk to people today. They're like, you didn't get killed. I'm like, you have, you have no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. The Himalayas might as well be in Nepal. Actually, actually, in Skardu, the original English explorers actually called Skardu area Little Tibet, quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. They actually found it, and they called it Little Tibet. Yeah. It's that much different than what you may expect. So Yeah, it really is. It's, it's very interesting when you hear people say, oh, I'm you know, heading off on an expedition to climb K2. Right. That's incredible! That's awesome. Right? And yeah. you've you mentioned that's in Pakistan. Well, why would you go there? Why would you go there? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, so I think the takeaway from this, I know a lot of us have talked about Pakistan. It's been an amazing adventure, but I cannot describe to you what a trip of a lifetime and what a special opportunity that Moyen Khan is creating mm -hmm. for bikers yeah. and scooterists. Yes, and if anybody wants, else wants to do it on a scooter, uh, he is mm -hmm. open to doing another scooter tour. Did you see any tourists? 
when you uh, foreign other other than yourself did you uh, see we, I, I saw bagel <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we did run into a german guy who was on a, a uh, one of on the, the ADV bikes twin. Uh, okay who was who was heading down uh, to lahore and then to over to india because the first year i went there was nobody yeah i mean just a couple chinese people up in hunzel that was it second year i went there was a busload of germans in Iran. Mm-hmm. there was a bunch of chinese in Islamabad. there were a bunch of chinese in hunza and if you guys saw foreigners there too then i want to remind everybody who's listening yeah that before 9-11 there were like something like 60,000 foreigners in hunza alone wow. on 9-11 it used to be that kind of a place and yeah. i think that right now it's going back to that kind of a place so yeah my suggestion well, is get get in while the getting's good yeah, yeah it's definitely an inexpensive beautiful it's, trip not swamped by other tourists go for it yeah it, it's a jewel so go to a different agenda.com and you and can also see the film uh the documentary that documentary. jim e was on his trip yep so and also uh, ride the kkh.com oh, ride the KKH. yeah do it. actually do it. they're in the middle of a rebuild of that website oh, and he has he has added a vespa tour on his oh, nice. website right. excellent nice. nice so hey i wanted to get to some emails while we can uh, i'm going to start with one um hey guys uh this is sean from laudner bc just outside of vancouver he says it's a small town like santa cruz thanks for the podcast i found it last spring when i was itching a ride sitting in an office toiling away been riding for 20 plus years my wife used to ride too until both of our bikes they were cbr 600s were stolen Mm. he's had a mix of bikes he's had an 83 yamaha maximum 750 the cbr 600 sv650 and a 2004 triumph Thruxton cool bike haven't had a bike for a couple years and was scouring craigslist for a 500 hundred dollar project Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes, that can be good. That can be bad. Yeah. Well, at least you said project. Yeah. Right. Uh, he says he hasn't cracked into a motor since the little Briggs and Stratton in high school mechanics class. Well, um, they found a running Suzuki Marauder 800 for $1,500. So I guess it, so much for the $500 budget. Budget. Yeah. <laughs> and within three months, cool put uh, 10,000 kilometers on a 62,000 kilometer motor, yeah. and it broke. Not the motor, but the belt st- belt stripped a shitload of teeth off of it. He found a rock embedded in the belt. The previous owner had made it belt drive, had converted it from chain to belt. So uh. he's going to be converting it back to chain because it's cheaper to buy two sprockets and chain than it is one belt. Yep. Says you guys make wrenching sound less intimidating. Basically, if you work on it and it breaks, fuck it, work on it some more. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Just yeah. like Charlie. Well, yeah. I got no, no gears. I'm learning that one. <laughs> Rent, wrench, break, repeat. <laughs> He says, if you guys have a chance, you should make a trek up to Sorrento, B.C., a small town in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. I found a little cafe which caters to motorbikes. It's called Sprockets Cafe, which is attached to Dream Cycle Motorcycle Museum. I'm liking this so far. I bet the roads are awesome. Uh, the owner had a great <laughs> mixed collection of rare vintage bikes and newer factory race bikes. He has dirt trackers, flat trackers, race trackers, and everything in between, including bikes he's never heard of, like Greaves, Douglas, John. Eaton's. So he says, thanks again. You guys definitely keep me entertained on a 16-hour podcast marathon drive home this past weekend. Bikes on the bench and waiting for parts, or I would have rode. Thanks for the laughs, Sean. Thanks, Sean. That was really awesome. Yeah, right on. Thanks. Jim, you got something to share with us? Oh, somebody wrote in, uh, Mike Saskatchewan wrote in uh, about Cat. So he said, uh, 
I listened to the interview with Kat today. I'm so glad she's relatively okay. It was very well done, raw, and honest. A lot of real thought-provoking discussion. Once a person is fully informed of risks, and as long as others aren't going to be unwillingly or unknowingly put at risk as well, then it's their choice to decide how they want to manage those risks. This applies to almost everything from wearing a helmet to running with scissors. (laughs) Kat made her choice and reappeared in the interview to be quite willing to accept the consequences. Would she do it differently if she could do it over? Of course she would. She would have avoided the minivan. <laughs> Same way that your friend that lost his lower leg would have turned right instead of left if he knew which way the truck yeah. was going to turn. Yeah. Until we start time traveling, we don't get do-overs. We just get to learn from life and decide how much risk we can tolerate. That tolerance changes depending on where you are in life. Single in 20? High risk acceptance. Young children in 30? Probably lower risk tolerance. Yeah. 15 kids grown? Slightly higher yeah. tolerance again. <laughs> I'm sure some people wear more gear after listening, at least for the short term. People tend to drift back to old habits. Best wishes to Cat. Best wishes to Cat and Doug as they recover from the stress and injuries. And thank you to Liza and the gang for enabling people from all over the world to be part of the Misfits and learn and share from real world experience. Thanks. Thanks. Right on, Mike. Good stuff. Right. What you got, Michael? So this one's from uh, Thomas. Thomas says, your podcast is one of my favorites, and as a sport cruiser rider that fears the upcoming zombie apocalypse, you can guess (laughs) where I first heard about you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hearing about Cat's crash reminded me about why I have the bike I have now, a Yamaha Warrior. When I was 25, I had a 1986 FZ750, and being 25, I was stupid crazy on it, when inevitably, I crashed. All I had on was board shorts, t-shirt, and flip-flops. It took me four years to get another bike, and I picked a bike that would be fun from zero to 100, but keep me from doing the crazy things I did on my sports bike. Mm -hmm. I'm 40 now, and I'm ready for another sports bike. I wish I had a group in my area like yours. Maybe would have been pretty, uh, maybe would have been ready at 35. So that's my crash story and why I ride what I ride at this stage of my life. Maybe in a future podcast, you guys can talk about the best bikes for your age or best bikes after a crash. Thank you for your podcast. It gets me through my boring UPS residential deliveries. Thanks. Cool. Yeah, that's a good uh, suggestion. I'll, I'll think about that mm-hmm. for future. A bike that doesn't crash? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. When I worked at the dealership, I just tell them to get the one that makes your bits twitch. <laughs> 86 FCR. I was quite a bike back in the day. All right. What you got, Isaac? Ready. Uh, hey, Misfits. Been listening to the podcast now for about six months, and I love what you guys are doing up there. Liza, what are you doing? Uh, what you're doing to help new riders is truly inspiring. <coughs> I've been listening with great interest to your What Makes a Real Biker and to the Harley bashing. <laughs> what makes me so interested is that, uh, being as I am bike curious, I own a 2001 Gilroy Indian and a Ducati Naked. Nice. On the Indian, I have completely torn apart the motor, polished the heads, balanced and blueprinted, and it's the smoothest cruiser I've ever owned. The Ducati is Ducati, so just regular <laughs> maintenance and valve adjustments are enough to keep me busy. Right. <laughs> so regarding Harley guys not waving to sport bikes and sport bikes not waving to Harleys, I'm glad for this obvious douche detection system. <laughs> I wave to all bikers, yes bagel, even scooters. Yes! yes. Thank you. Riders that don't wave to other riders are the riders that I wouldn't want to hang with on or off the bike. If you think you're cool, you aren't. That's how it works. Right Word. Keep up the great work, misfits. I have some extra tools I want to donate to the shop 
stop and I'll drop in on Sunday the next time I ride up the coast from SoCal. P.S. Hope Cat heals quickly and is back on the bike soon. I also hope the next time the guy in the minivan tries to cut off some bikers that he cuts off Hell's Angels. And I hope <laughs> and I hope I'm there to video what happens next. Right. <laughs> Scott. Hey, and Scott, awesome. that uh, Gilroy Indian that you have, uh, Darren Cadies, who is one of our guests on the podcast called It's All in the Design. He designed, he was a designer for that. That's he, right. um, he's got a really great story, so you should uh, listen to that podcast. It's yeah. all in the design. It, it's, you, okay, it's okay not to wave to trikes, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not bikes, right? Well, yeah. What you got, Bagel? All right, I have an email that says, Hello, my name is Michael from Columbus, Ohio. Hello, Michael. I just recently picked up a hardtail chopper frame for 150 bucks. Yes. Nice. I, wonder if I, I hope that includes a title. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing with it, nor what to do with it. That's okay. But listening to your podcast gives me motivation and courage to turn this hunk of metal and do a kick-ass balls-to-the-wall street machine. Thank you guys for the awesome podcast. It makes my days at work go by so much quicker. Love you guys and everything you do for the inspire. For the, for the inspiring bikers, for the for inspiring bikers, keep rocking out with your cock out. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. One hundred fifty dollars for a frame. Did it come with a title? Um, my suggestion would be before you invest a lot of money in this that you Move make sure that you're going to be able to yes. get it registered. Get the title. So make sure that's good. Yeah. Um, and I think the next step, because this is a big project, and I went through <laughs> it. I think the next step is. Uh, turn it into a rolling chassis. Mm-hmm. So just get your wheels and your suspension, your front end on there. Then you can start looking for then a you motor stick a and a tank Honda and a Honda 900 and all that. Pipes in but it. the first thing, uh, make it a roller. So just to help you kind of divide and conquer what to do next, that is a cool project. And there's a lot of parts out there. That's what's so cool about uh, choppers is you you can get a lot of takeoff parts from Harleys and and bolt them on. Mm -hmm. So good luck with that. Keep us up to date on it. You could make the first ever stock Harley just out of all the (laughs) removed stock parts. What you got, Charlie? Um, Greetings, freaks. I mean that in the most loving way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I recently purchased a 2016 Suzuki Bandit 1250S after spending my first year and 6,000 miles on a 85 Honda Nighthawk 650. Emma would be so proud. She really would. It's actually titled to Emma. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, It seems like the Bandits have... Almost a cult following in the UK, but mm. almost nothing in the USA, at least in the mid-Atlantic. Does Emma have any insight into this? Seeing as it's such a wonderful machine, I picked it over the FZ09 and GSX S1000, which I rode all three bikes in the same day at a demo event. Almost everybody I work with either rides a Harley or sport bike. The only thing they agree on is my bike is the least cool of them. <laughs> nice. Huh. Which yeah. makes it the coolest. Well, I mean, it's right? a bandit, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, based on their chicken strips, looks like the CBR600RR and the Chixer 600 riders should actually be riding Harleys. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lastly, I'm attaching a photo of my first granddaughter, Emma, Yay. sitting on my bandit. She's not old enough to go for a ride, real ride, but I took the photo to worry her parents. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a way to do it. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Start them young. <laughs> and Micah, what do you have there? 
Um, from Neil Hobson in Toronto, Canada. Hey, Neil. Uh, hey, Misfits. I just listened to your update on Kat's condition. All I can say is ouch. She sounds in good spirits and must be one tough cookie to handle that nasty spill. Here's hoping she recovers soon. In the meantime, I would like to send her a get well card. Can you give me an address where I can send the package? I probably can't send it straight to the hospital, so if I could send it to you folks first, or one of you could take it over when you go visit her. Can't wait for Mondays in your new podcast. Aw, thank Aww. you. So Sweet. Kat is out of the hospital now and is in a yes. wheelchair, and we were looking at, um, <coughs> what are those called? The, the death derby wheelchair things? or Murder ball. Murder ball. <laughs> we got to get a murder ball chair. Those things are sweet. Nice. I think we need to tether her to the back of one of the scooters. That can what, be done. Well, we can just do normal chariot racing. Her feet are already out. I know. I know. You just make sure Doug's not there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm thinking chariot racing, but with the wheels off and like four posts with old brake discs welded to them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll come up with something fun yeah. for her. So thank you for everyone who emailed us, especially the people who are sending well wishes to Kat. She is recovering. The bones are taking longer, but amazingly, her road rash, a lot of it is really Guys. cleared up. Cool. Uh, uh, the I guess the ones that they were dressing at the hospital are really... They're treating it really well. She took yeah. herself it's off to lot it, so... Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, so That's she is nice. going to be fine. And I think most importantly, her attitude is great. And that right, goes yep. a long way when you're healing. And she is a trooper. I, I, think, I think next week you should try to roll a bubble wrap instead of the helmet. <laughs> I don't know. So I, I think this is the point where we say thank you to everyone who made it this far. Listen through. Um, Brooke, thanks for joining us. Thank you this for having is me. Your first time here on the podcast, it isn't is. it? It is. And, and, and you get and to experience possums and possum. everything. <laughs> that was the highlight of my uh, day. Yeah, the possum, the possum was something else. That was a special treat. I'm impressed, Jim. You didn't jump because it was yeah. about a foot behind your shoulder, and I just kind of dove for it. <laughs> you just you it stayed solid, baring its teeth and drooling. You look like you look like you had it under just, control. Well, that's, that's one, one of the lessons you learn when you you know, ride through Pakistan. You just kind of take things as they come and you know, <laughs> not get freaked out by just it. Sit tight. You know, direction will come when it's needed. Yes. It's all good. <laughs> I know. So, um, yeah, I think really go check out a differentagenda.com. I I'm always amazed what an amazing trip this is, but how many people are so reluctant? They always have a reason. Oh, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. Yeah. It's one of those things you need to just. Yeah. Commit to it, and it will happen. Yes, quit making excuses. Just make it happen however you can. You know what? Go live life. And this is an yep. amazing way to do it. If you are a biker, this is an experience you should have. Yep. That said, I think we're ready to get out of here. Um, Motorcyclesandmisfits.com is a place to go. From there, you will find our link to our Patreon. Thank you our, to our Patreon subscribers. You'll find a link to our YouTube page, which uh, I'm going to have to get on Mike. He hasn't been putting anything new out. He's been too busy mm. stitching and sewing leather work. Yeah. Um, you can uh, nice. purchase a t-shirt there. Uh, and you can also find our email address and our voicemail number. Just go to Motorcyclesandmisfits.com. You also find a link to our Facebook page, and you can see our posts. About every week, we post new pictures of what's going on in the garage. You can yep, yep. put faces to the names. So, again, thank you, everyone, for listening. I think we're ready to get out of here. This is Eliza signing off. Jim. Michael. Isaac. Bagel. Brooke. Charlie. Micah. And we're out of here. Cool. Cool. cool.